Hello, my name is Mark Taylor and welcome to the Education on Fire podcast. The place for creative and inspiring learning from around the world. Listen to teachers, parents and mentors share how they are supporting children to live their best authentic life and are proving to be a guiding light to us all. Hello and welcome back to the Education on Fire podcast. Today I'm talking to Christian Buck. Now Christian has gone from a Wall Street trader to a performance executive coach. And for the last 10 years, Christian's been helping individuals and organizations raise their game by improving their mindset. Now he's done this through his consulting practice where he's worked with professional athletes, student athletes, executives on a one-to-one basis, challenging their thinking both on the field, in the classroom or in the boardroom. Now we're going to get into how mindset and also being aware of maybe your personality type and the sorts of talents that you have can be put to the best use in order for you to gain the success that you want in life. Now just before we get chatting to Christian, here's a quick thank you to our sponsor. Thank you to the National Association for Primary Education for their long-term support of the Education on Fire podcast. To get a free e-copy of their professional journal, Primary First, please go to nape.org.uk forward slash journal. That's nape.org.uk forward slash journal. Hi, Christian. Welcome to the Education on Fire podcast. Thanks so much for being here. And I'm excited to understand this relationship between your your early career in Wall Street all the way through to being a coach now and and that transition. So take us through that journey a little bit. Uh, Sure. Uh, Thanks so much for having me, first of all. So after college, uh, graduating with a uh, basically an advertising major in uh, art and art history, I went into the family business, so to speak. My uh, my two brothers were working at Wall Street on the floor of the American Stock Exchange, uh, trading options, and um, you know it was one of those things where I just sort of got caught up in it. I went there, and I ended up doing it for about ten years, eleven years, and uh, I was trading on the floor in the pits, you know, with the jackets and the screaming, um, and so the stress that came along with that. And then I had my own brokerage, uh, executing options on the floor, but then it was just it was just too much stress. So then you had nine um, eleven in there, and you know, I started to look at life, you know, you know, why am I doing this kind of thing? And in 06, I decided uh, that I was going to go get my master's in sports psychology. Um, I figured out a whole bunch of things along the way. You know, I was, uh, you'll appreciate this. I, I was a drummer. I was a goalie. I was a background guy. I don't want to be the lead singer. Um, and so, you know, I read every golf psychology book there was. And, you know, I, I liked going to different places rather than an office and Anyway, that led me into the sports psychology realm. So I went full time for two years, and then since then I've been doing, um, yeah, you know, working with athletes, teams, and executives on applying sports psychology to whatever they want to perform better at. You know, whether it's the uh, the athlete who wants to perform better, or the student, or um, the executive, um, that we all have starting points, and you don't need to be sick in order to get better. And that's sort of where I come in. And I think we all understand sports, so it's whatever you know, you're trying to perform in just using those uh, sports vernaculars to get the point across, get, you know, um, make it an easy transfer. Yeah, I really like that. And I think one of the things that I can certainly pick up on on my career is the fact that we all start from knowing nothing, <laughs> you know, in terms mm-hmm. of, you know, for me as a, as, a, as a professional drummer, you know, originally, it's that kind of you hold the sticks for the first time, you know, and then you get a good teacher, and then they sort of guide you the way, and then you get the opportunity to perform here and there, and then, you know, not before you know it, because there's many hours in between sure, and, and, right. and, and a journey, you know, but I'm able to perform at the Albert Hall, for example, you know, which is just a fantastic thing to be able to achieve in your life, and to mm-hmm. be able to get the real thrill of doing that, and also doing it with your friends. And 
but I think it's understanding that there's a there's a journey to all this as well, isn't there? That you know, it's not you take it from wherever you are, whether you're just starting out or whether you're in the middle or the end of whatever that will be perceived to be, and you take it from where you are and then you use the skills that you're talking about. Yeah, <clears throat> you know, if we're talking, you know, in, in the sports psychology tones, that you know, a lot of people, including myself, we become uh, result oriented, and you know. I was never particularly good at math. Um, I especially found that out when, uh, you know, I was around some of these guys that were MIT grads and, you know, and, and Yale and Harvard and Stanford. And, and, you know, it was, it hit me after a while that I was only doing it because of the potential reward and monetary reward. And, and I recognized that, you know, it's buy low, sell high. And, that's it. And so I didn't feel like it was congruent with how I wanted to live my life. Now, other people get really excited about that. There's something about the competitive nature of it or, you know, beating the market or whatever it happens to be. Um, I just, it, it never was congruent with how I wanted to live my life. So I went back to the basics of, you know, who am I? And then figured out, okay, what do I love to do? And then create a job out of that. And most people say, you know, okay, well, what jobs are out there? Can I, do I want to do that? I look at it the other way, who am I? And then what, what, what would I do if I didn't get paid for it? And I guess it's that kind of, the passion comes from the type of thing you're involved in, doesn't it? It comes from, like say, something inside that you know lights your fire. I mean, that's exactly well, what we're here yeah. in, in terms of educational fire yeah. as a podcast. But what you don't always know is all the little steps and exactly what the final outcome will be. You might have a really clear goal and you might be so driven that you get there. But often, even if you get to what you think is that final destination, the way you get there and the people you come across aren't necessarily in that same sort of one step after the other idea. Yeah, you know, Bob Proctor talks about three different types of, of um, goals and, and it, it this isn't a really interesting thing that I don't think I certainly never thought about, but it really, after doing it for a while now, starts to make sense that you have your type A goal, which is, you know, I, I'm, I'm going to, I want a new car, right? And and if you're an adult and, and, and you know, even if you're young, at, you know, younger, you know, 18, 19, you could figure out how to get a new car. It doesn't necessarily have to be brand new, but new to you. Um, the second one is the one that we commonly think about is, Okay, these. This is the goal that I want. This is the amount of money I want to make. This is the house or whatever it happens to be. Is a job I want, and and we could figure out. Okay, if I do X, Y, and Z, that would lead to that job. I need to put in a certain amount of hours, or I need to, you know, um, start a business or whatever it happens to be. We could figure that out. The type C goal is the one that I find the most interesting. It's a goal that something you want, but you don't know how to get it. So, you know, it could be, you know, a, a large house, it could be a house on the water, it could be it could be a boat, you know, whatever it is, where you think, boy, I have no idea how I would do that. But is when you create the image, now it's it's real. And so things will start to unfold and how you can get there. And most people don't think big enough. And a lot of people don't know what they want. And, you know, when you start to, again, look inside a little bit, okay, what do I really want? And a lot of times when, you know, people think about money, you know, I want a million dollars, but it's not necessarily the money, it's the freedom that comes along with a million dollars. So what does that look like? What does your day look like? And how, you know, not how do you get it, but just know that it's there. And then you sort of work towards that. But defining yeah. it, that vision is the key. Yeah, it's really interesting. I've not talked about this before on the podcast, but um, when my wife and I got married, we... um. 
we decided that we were going to have a, a, a winter wedding and um and it was beautiful we had a load of snow here in the uk oh. that particular year so it was a white wedding oh. um and it just sort of picture perfect um scene it was incredible um but over the um over our fireplace at home we have this um picture of a new york landscape in the snow oh. and um and so we had decided that our honeymoon we wanted to be in new york um but beyond that you know we did some research we found a fantastic hotel um and we just knew we wanted to be there and sort of soak up that atmosphere i've been there once before and absolutely loved it mm-hmm. now the reason I think about this, based on what you said in terms of the not knowing the answer, is that the day after we woke up in New York, because it was not snowing at all when we got to New York, we woke up the next day and it was white. And we walked through Central Park and we found the same bridge and the same scene. And it could have almost been like we took that picture while we were there as the one that was over the fire. Mm -hmm. And at that point, exactly like you were just saying, it's kind of I couldn't have even imagined that was even possible, but it was such a obviously an important part of our life. You know, we were getting married, we were on our honeymoon, that everything just felt amazingly fantastic. And we had this real image of what we wanted to experience and how we wanted it to be. Yeah. And it came to fruition in a way we just couldn't have imagined. Yeah. And and there's so there's a couple of things there that one of them is, you know, the feeling that you have, you know, looking at that picture, like, oh, and and you can start to feel like oh that that would be so amazing to see that so now you're taking a vision and you're connecting your you know emotions with it and now you're tied to it in a sense right and it goes into quantum physics and that type of stuff but the other aspect of that is a lot of people would say well that's just coincidence and yeah it could be i just choose to think that it's connected you know it's like i don't know if there's a heaven but i'm choosing to to believe that there's a heaven because it just seems better. I don't want to worry the rest of my life about it. And when you start to choose to think that way and and say that those things are connected, well now you're you're gaining power. Right? And now you can start to pick, well what's the next thing? And I'm going to choose to let things unfold rather than just write them off as a coincidence. And by the way, that would be the same with student students as well that okay, what school do I want to go to? You know, not not what can I do? What do I want to do? But am I willing to do the things to make that vision a reality? That's the key. I want to go to Oxford. Okay, that's great. Are you willing to do the work in order to get in there? And that's a whole separate conversation. And and you know it depends how bright that that vision is. Yeah, I I, I love that, and I, and I and I love I love the real practical, and and it's something which I I find fascinating, and especially as the older that I get, it's that kind of you can't do anything without putting the work in because it's just not going to happen. You can't move this thing from here to there without actually physically moving it. There's the the human experience of what we're doing, but yeah. like you said, then there's this whole world that you can create in your mind, which just has this ability to to come to life in a way when you're in a position to do that. So how do you sort of weigh those two two things up when you know I, I've seen you on stage um, talking to you know a theatre full of students, you know talk, talking about what you want and going after it and and, and how these things put together how do you sort of get that essence across to those people at that sort of age um to sort of inspire them to do it but by the same time also understand those sort of practical steps too yeah it, it, first of all it's not easy um i, I understand that but if, if you think about uh, the initial reaction from let's say you know a high schooler adolescent that what they really want if they're honest could be to be left alone 
right? So, you know, the society saying good grades and their parents saying get good grades and work hard and go to a good school and become a doctor. And they really just want to be left alone. But one of the things that I suggest sometimes is put your kids on an island and say, okay, let's see what you got. And that changes a little bit. And now they have to start thinking about, okay, what do I want? And so I will help them. I say, look, I'm not, I'm not going to let you just, you know, you know, uh, sort of stop trying to challenge yourself. But okay, if life were great, what would it look like? And I'll give them um, uh, homework or we'll do it together to look at images of certain schools around the country, uh, big schools, small schools, football schools, um, you know, uh, small uh, Northeast schools where it's a lot of learning or Ivy League and put images in their mind because adolescents live in uh, in ideology not not experience because they're just not old enough to have the experience so if we can give them that you know go visit certain campuses that are local or, or um, just really nice campuses and say you know that could be your life for four years you could go do that and so creating this carrot that they say oh i, I could do that for four years rather than what most kids do is and, and me too you get grades and then by senior year, you say, okay, now what? Where does that lead? You know, what, what choices do I have? Rather than, okay, let's create a very clear image of that carrot so that we can go after it. And then they want to do it on their own. And it's interesting for me this because I always wanted to be a musician. There was something about, and, and, and the interesting story of it is, is the fact that I never always did want to be that's the uh, um i went from primary to secondary school and we had to learn a musical instrument when we went to secondary school so i was sort of age 12 and i thought yeah drums that's got to be the best of a bad bunch because i'm not that bothered about it. i'm just gonna go on and do it got there had the opportunity and just fell in love with it and not only did i fall in love with it in terms of i really like this this was a good fun thing to do i felt like it gave me a voice the way i showed up as me you know i was able to communicate in a world as a teenager through music which i wasn't able to do in that sort of traditional teenagery kind of way you know mm -hmm. we, we all know what that's like as you're going mm -hmm. through adolescence um and that just got more and more and more as, as, as i got into into adulthood and my professional life but it is different isn't it when you don't have that drive when you're sort of having to just experiment in terms of different areas that you do and i think having that patience as well and just sort of finding your feet a little bit about like you say you only know if you like this idea of this type of school by by thinking about it you know do i want it to be small do i want it to be big do i want it to be high pressure and high high stakes or do i want to just go with what i want to learn but have some extracurricular stuff around it and 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 i think people kind of often feel like it has to be one or the other or this person knows where they're going and they're driven and they're 100 mm. percent, and so therefore i'm failing because i'm not it's like all our lives are different all our journeys are different yeah. and so you know that essence of kind of you know the flower in the garden just blooms as much as it possibly can it's not bothered about all the other flowers in the garden mm. and i kind of like that analogy mm -hmm. in terms of you just show up in your way at your time and then just see where it leads yeah and, and you know uh when you were starting the drums and where you started to feel that passion is probably because it started to become a bit of your identity. And, you know, now that it's who you are, you want to be good at that, right? It's something that you just enjoy getting better at and, you know, um, having that place in the world that, you know, um, is yours and no one can take it from you. And it reminds me of a story where one of the girls uh, I was working with, um, she, um, this goes to the bigger picture, but she was, 
really anxious, she was actually crying, that she wasn't going to get into a particular school. And it was her number one choice and a uh, very, very good school. And she had gotten into a whole bunch of other really, really good schools. And this one was the one that she hadn't heard from yet. And I said, you know, no matter what, however you make your dent in this world is not going to be through that one school. And that, you know, whether it's, you know, uh, a state school, a big school, a small school, it doesn't matter. You are the one that creates success. And, and so whether you find it early or you find it late or you find it through this particular school, it's just sort of irrelevant. I understand the, the desire to want to go to particular schools, but if you take a step back and look at, okay, who am I? How do I, you know, become successful? What do I like to do? This, what school you choose? Look, there's there's some advantages. Don't get me wrong. You know, you can put it on top of a resume. I understand, um, but I don't think the school is your key to success. You are the key to success. Yeah, I think that's true, and I think I I like the sort of ebb and flow that we're going through in terms of like say the work and and how life takes it on because sometimes what you think is the biggest disappointment mm. is actually your biggest win you know you yeah. wanted this to be the case but not going here meant you went there and you met this person or right yeah, it, or it professor. Opened up this yeah. Talk. yeah e mm -hmm. e exactly and and so that's that's where that kind of funny dichotomy comes between kind of no i'm really strong-willed and i want to be here but life has a way of knowing what's best for you. And you have to kind of have that strong will and you have to put the work in, as we've been saying, but you also have to let go of it all and be guided in some way, whether it's you call it intuition or God or divine guidance, whatever it is that is, is your kind of belief set. There's something about if you're here for a purpose, you know, if we're talking about really living your life and being very joyous, then that has to come from allowing that to happen through you rather than you being that stubborn person leading it has to be this way. And then you kind of feel like you're supported. And like you say, those stressful situations, which so many children really struggle with now because it has to be X, Y, and Z, mm -hmm. that kind of, no, it's all okay. No matter what the outcome is, no matter what the school is, no matter what the grades are, yes, I'm going to do everything in my power to put myself in my best position. But I also know that there's something else going on here, which I can actually work with and is supporting me. It's not all negative. It's always going to be a positive. And it's a difficult thing to do that, I think, because the education system is often very kind of, you know, results based here yeah. and now. And it has to look X, Y and Z. And, and I think that's why these conversations are so important, because I think the more people hear this, the more as a student you can take it on board hopefully and you can then think ah right yes because i know this is true because i can feel it somewhere in me i know this is the yeah. reality and if you're a teacher it gives you the strength to be able to go ah okay why don't we just take the foot off the gas here a little bit with this person or a parent saying let's go about this a slightly different way and i think that's a really really important thing to take off yeah, uh, you know, again, this reminds me of another story. Uh, one of my girls, very mature, and, and I, I have to admit that, but um, she was one of the best um, uh, athletes in her um, – she was a lacrosse goalie and one of the best in the country. And so she had a lot of opportunities to go to certain schools, and she had um, pretty good grades as well. And um, she actually went from like a 82 average to a 96 average. And we used her work ethic that she uses on the field – and just applied that to school. And, and so by the time she was getting recruited, she actually um, had committed to um, one of the best schools in the US. And um, even though she committed a year later, she found out she got rejected 
from emissions. So here you are with this identity, you got the, you know, the sweatshirt, you got the sticker on the back of your parents' car, you're all excited for a whole year, you're a 17-year-old girl going to one of the best schools in the world, and you, now you have to tell everyone you didn't get in. So we decided a long time ago that we were going to you know, be successful no matter where she went. And because she was going to one of the best schools in the world, that you know, how, do you, how do you do that? How do you use that to your advantage? Anyway. She found out on Thursday that um, she was rejected. By Tuesday, she had offers from um, Maryland, Notre Dame, and Duke University. And she went to visit Maryland, and she said, you know, this place is great. I can play for a national championship. I can play right away. You know, uh, the, the business school is pretty good. And, um, you know, I, I, I think, you know, I'm going to go here. I said, look, that's great. But I got a hard time saying no to Duke and Notre Dame before you know, at least talking to him. And she said, well, we decided a long time ago, I'm gonna be successful no matter what. And I was like, you're right. You know, like <laughs> she doesn't have to go to those other schools. It's, she would be successful, I just know it. Mm -hmm. And so it, it's this, like you said, it's this sort of intrinsic um, awareness of I have the ability to do whatever I need to do to get it done, to, to, to be successful. And what school I go to shouldn't matter. Now. There are stepping stones that certainly help. You go, you know, in the, in the U.S. If you graduate from an Ivy League school, the name helps, no doubt. But you don't. You could graduate from anywhere and still have the same success because you know. One of the things I find uh, is the most successful, especially when uh, one of the characteristics I find is most important, especially with executives, is conviction. Is knowing yourself, knowing your beliefs, believing in what you believe, which is an odd thought. Um, but that knowledge about yourself allows you to apply it to any school you want. And like you said, it takes the pressure off what school I have to go to. I have to do this. I have to get good grades. If you're just someone who works hard and is driven, you'll get good grades. And the working hard is the key. Yeah. Absolutely. And the vision, and by the way. And, and one other thing too, that I think you'll appreciate. So I read this somewhere in a book and I don't remember who did it, but, um, the, uh, there's two different types of people. There's motorboats and corks. Motorboats create the wakes and the corks just float around in them. And the motorboats have fuel and they're driven somewhere. They're going somewhere. They're, they're driven towards something. And that fuel is what I help kids find. What is the, the fuel that's going to help them become the motorboat and get somewhere rather than just wait around and see what happens? Yeah. And, um, and I guess that takes us quite neatly onto your sort of five types of athletes or executives. And I, and I think it's really personality types, isn't it, as well, that we can apply to students generally. Because I find that really interesting because I think that identification of, of maybe where you are as opposed to where you want to go, or even like you said in that particular example, seeing that maybe you are a cork rather than a motorboat and how mm -hmm. you can do that. So just take us through those five, five types and, and how that's worked in your experience. Sure. So there's the... the um... The workhorse, the rookie, the natural talent, spectator, and the, and the intellectual. And the workhorse is, and, and I should say that I discovered these over about four or five years of working with, you know, dozens and dozens of students full time for the whole year. So I had a really good under, you know, started to really get a good idea of how each one works and what, you know, uh, ones that shifted from one to the next and, and where that catalyst was that started to spark their interest in, in working hard. And so the workhorse is the, you usually can see it as an athlete, the one that gets there early, stays late, goes to the gym um, when, when they aren't asked and they're practicing and they're working hard to improve. 
And what I found in order to help them is, is to take that same athletic mindset and just apply it to school. And so, you know, I have the Sport of School Academy and, and I wrote a book called The Sport of School. And, and, you know, it's treating school like a sport because they already do it. You're just not, a, you're just not applying it there. They'll, they'll spend hours and hours and hours on the field. And then they don't do it towards school. You know, you have to do 20 minutes of homework and they can't do it. So then, I've, you know, we talk about with them to be in the have it all or baller, right? Be the guy that, or girl that has it all. Be the one that works hard on the field and just take that mindset and apply it to school. Now, you know, your grades are going up and you're working hard on the field and now, you know, more recruitable and the confidence goes up and so on and so forth. The rookie is the one who sim could be similar to a, a workhorse, but they just don't know the rules. They don't know the guidelines and, and, and necessities in order to get to another level. And the example I use is one of my guys, um, he had said, I asked him, uh, texted him, how the quarter end up? Um, and he said, oh, really good, uh, B minus average. And for him, a B minus average was not really up to his potential. And, but he didn't know where that B minus leads him to. And if he had gotten an A minus or whatever, it would, you know, he might think, oh, I want to go Ivy League. I have a B minus average. And it's, it's incongruent with, you know, the reality of things. And, and just, you know, as, as Derek Jeter was a rookie one year, he just had to learn the ropes. So it's not anything bad. It's just you, we need to teach them. Okay, this is what it takes to go into, you know, what schools do you want to go to? You just have a fun conversation. Oh, I'd love to go to that school. Okay, well, you need a A average or a B average, whatever it is. Oh, okay. Now they now they're armed with that information. Then they can start to transfer into that workhorse. The natural talent is a really interesting one that I did not see coming. Um, they are out on the field or the court or pitch or whatever it happens to be all the time, and it looks like they are working, but they're not. They're having fun because it comes naturally, and they're just out there enjoying it, being creative. They're usually very good. Um, but if they don't know how to do math, they just don't do it. Oh, I, I don't get math. You know, I'm, I'm not good at it. And where you can see this in the academic realm is someone who I'm not a good writer. So I, I so I stick to sciences or math, you know, or I, I can't do chemistry. And for no particular reason, they just, it just doesn't come naturally to them. And so you can have it on either side of, of the, the athletic or the academic, uh, part, you know, uh, type of athlete or, or student athlete, I should say. But e each one, these natural talents need to learn how to work. Um, the, the, the next one, the spectator, is the, the one who's sitting in the stands watching their life go by. They neither care if they uh, succeed or if they fail. They're just sort of on the sidelines. And there's no personal vision there. there. There's there's nothing to lead to. It's just school is a chore. I don't like it. Um, I don't understand why we have to do this. The teacher hates me. And there's just that's the one where that lack of motivation comes. That that's the cork. Um, just no focus on uh, or no interest in in making that uh, personal vision unfold, or they don't have the personal vision. That's really the key. And then lastly, the intellectual, the intellectual is the one that is driven and works really hard, has a very high bar, but they deal with anxiety from perfectionism and pressure and societal um, expectations, um, you know, uh, whether it's uh, uh, 
in sports or school, you know, where are you going to play? You know, you're so good, you know, the, you know, um, and people asking them constantly, you know, what school are you going to play for? What coaches have you talked to? Or, uh, you know, Hey, here we get good grades. So that's just the way it is. You know, if you get a B plus that's really seen as an F and some schools do that by the way, you know, where they have the bar so high when well, we all know that that's not true. So, you know, you could work as hard as you want or as you can and get a, B minus and and it's irrelevant the B minus it's if you work literally as hard as you can that is the key so the intellectual <clears throat> gets caught up in the results um, and uh, this sort of um, artificial bar that they've created that if they don't meet it then it's a failure those are the five types and once we know the types we can start to you know create a plan how to um, help them get full, you know be successful yeah and that's some. Um... Uh, the, the the naturally gifted person I really really um, understand I've sort of witnessed this m- more than once and 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 sometimes they're gifted across the board aren't they like you, mm-hmm. said, you sort of said about they were great on this court but maybe not so much in math or whatever I've seen some kids who are just gifted across everything yeah but their their, their biggest struggle comes was the fact that at some point even if it's if you're doing you know quadratic um equations or whatever it happens you know whatever level you eventually get to or you know or whatever university or college you get to sooner or later you just don't know you run out of that natural knowledge or that natural way of soaking up because you have to put the work in or you have to put something in to get you that better you know even the michael jordans of this world are kind of like they didn't just turn up and play you know they put the work in as well and at some point you've got to learn that and it's quite hard to get that across so i'm interested now you sort of explain these sort of five different types and i'm sure there are people listening and go oh yeah i can i can sense that one or this one that's kind of Mm -hmm. where i'm fitting in where do you where do you go with that i mean i guess every journey and every situation is personal and so you change it but are you shifting them through one to another are you shifting to get rid of all of the labels so that you're just in control What, what what do you do with it well, it's a way to um, it's a way to normalize where they are. Number one, that a lot of, you know, I didn't. This isn't just one person I came up with that had you know the, the, that was the spectator. That oh, there's a lot of people that do this. And once we figure out where they are, and you're right, the labels aren't great. But once we figure out where they are, we can create a plan easier than if we just you know, threw everything against the wall. And so the spectator, for example, if we just, if we know that they're a spectator and, you know, we can decide pretty quickly that they don't have a ton of ambition or, or like that vision that they're fighting for that we can say, okay, or at least what I would do, um, working with someone would be create images, you know, to literally Google image schools and, and you know, what, what it's like, what's the campus like, go visit schools, you know, create images, um, you know, one of my um, clients was, he said, you know, when we were um, sort of debriefing at the end, he said, where do you fit now? And he goes, you know, I was a spectator, I became a workhorse, and now I want to be an intellectual, where he's just driven on his own. Because the intellectual isn't necessarily all negative. Um, none of these are all negative, by the way. Um, but if you can combine that workhorse mindset um, with the intellectual aspect of things, you know, that's so creating these these categories helps us to find where they are and what they need to go, you know, do to go forward in whatever category they're in. Yeah, because I think the clarity is the key, isn't it? Because it, it's mm-hmm. that kind of if especially if you know you 
I guess some well, some people don't know they want it to be different because they just are. And I think that kind of, I just go to school, I don't like it, it just is what I is. And at some point I'm going to come out the other end. Um, yeah. and, and there are some people who just desperately want it to be different, but I have no idea. Because how do I do that? Because my life is everything that I've known. And that takes us back to what you were saying about the fact you just don't have the experience. You only have what you've done so far. Yeah. And, you know, the the mentor, the coach, the adults can see that sort of bigger picture as they're, as they're coming in. And so it's a question of kind of, I know I'm struggling, but I don't know where. And I think that's why um, people like yourself, where you're able to come in and support people in such a way that it just dissolves i think some of that stuff but with the understanding the understanding and the ability to make that change in practical ways which i guess is kind of the ethos of our entire conversation really in terms yeah. of those sort of two two dichotomies and um and 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 do you have a sort of a set sort of target that you try and do with everybody when you're coaching them is it kind of we want to get from here to here and then that's done and then you debrief or is it kind of an amount of time or just someone needs something and you just see where it goes how do you how do you work in that in that so, situation yeah so i used to do um uh the whole year the whole school year i worked with someone so you you signed up for the whole year now now i've cut it down a little bit but um I think some people just know they need more time uh, because they haven't quite figured it out yet. Uh, one of my guys who's a great kid, a uh, total spectator, um, but he, he just, and, and rookie, he, he just didn't know how to work. He just didn't understand. He goes, you know, compared to my friends, I was paying attention. I figured I was way ahead of everybody else, but he didn't do homework or, you know, it would, you know, sleeping patterns were just terrible. And we're still working now on, you know, okay, how do we grind? How do we get that vision so tight that I just, I'm just going to stay on top of things. And it's funny, it hasn't been about work ethic for him. It's a bit, it's been about staying on top of things. That is the one thing. And it takes time to do that. But the other aspect of this is, I think I think a lot of kids will appreciate this. Over the 100 plus, 150 kids that I've worked with over the last 10 years, every one of them, when they came to me first, admitted that on a scale of one to 10, they are a six and a half as far as uh, how hard they work. Everyone, six, seven, 150 kids. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, that's amazing that they literally all of them have, I mean, some might say four, you know, some might say a little lower. And so the key as far as where are we going is, okay, how do we get to a, a nine? And I don't think everyone should really work at a 10. I, I feel like that's a little overboard. My nephew, who is a real smart kid, but he works real hard. Um, he, uh, I was staying at my brother's house and he's going to bed at 11 o'clock on a Friday and his light was on. I said, Hey, what are you doing? He said, oh, I'm doing my math homework on a 11 o'clock on a Friday night. If you choose that, that's great. But that's a 10. And I don't think anyone needs to be on that level. So, I'm, you know, if it's eight and a half, nine, I think that's a pretty realistic approach. And, and certainly it allows them to, to be themselves and not think, oh, I have to go, you know, crazy as far as work ethic. Um, but the, one of the things that we talk about is, okay, we're six and a half. Why isn't it a zero? And most people think that you're going to say, well, why isn't it a 10? But why isn't it a zero? And your answer to getting to an eight and a half is from zero to six and a half. Because somewhere in there is, I, you know, I want to, you know, not fail out of school. I want to go to college or university. I want to, um, 
you know, get my, you know, my parents would freak out if I, you know, went to a zero, you know, whatever that is, but their bar, this is another really interesting thing. And one of the things that I help people do, everybody has a certain thermostat temperature, right? We all have a thermostat and whatever grades that you have, if you haven't really thought about this, is the number you're okay with. And that could be all A's, it could be all B's, it could be all C's. It doesn't matter. You you got there somehow, therefore you've allowed that, that, that's what you're okay with. And so how do we raise that bar? Not because I want you to get you know better grades, because I want you to learn that what you expect from yourself and the level that you're um, expecting is go, you want it to rise. And this matters because when we're talking with adults, it's, you know, when you get that first job, do you want to make X amount or do you want to make 5X? Because if you expect X, you're going to get X. If you expect 5X, you're going to figure out a way to get 5X. And, and so, you know, one of the things that happens so often is, you know, let's say their temperature is set at a, a B, um, you know, at a B average, and then the first quarter is coming to an end and they have like an A minus. And then they find a way to get to a B in the last week. It's just incredible how this happens. And so that's what we're trying to do is help people raise that bar for themselves to, to play at, a, at another level. And it, it might take, you know, uh, 10 meetings. It might take a year. You know, it might take longer. You know, some kids I've worked with for three or four years. And granted, at that point, we're more on, you know, fine tuning. But um, it's hard to answer that question. That was probably a verbose answer for you, but uh, no. <laughs> I'm, uh, it's it's a it's tricky. It's tricky. I know no, one I like thing. That. I, it doesn't happen in one session. I tell you that. Yeah, for sure. <laughs> and I really like I really like it because it kind of it kind of takes the reality into 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 position. You know, like you say, yeah, why aren't you getting a ten? Well, because that's unrealistic anyway. Um, and but to think about it the other way, but you've done all of this at the bottom end. You know, you've got from your zero to your five or your six or whatever. So therefore, you have the skills and the understanding to an extent, yep. and then you can sort of rework that round. And and also, it's it's looking at these things in a whole, in in, in the whole, as it were. Because um, you, your example of, of of your nephew, you know, people who are really driven and just loving it at eleven o'clock on a Friday is brilliant if that's what they're yeah, about. Great, yeah. Um, there are plenty of people who get much more out of life by, you know, stopping at seven and actually having that evening doing whatever that is, whether it's a hobby, whether it's just hanging out, whether it's doing, you know, no right or wrong, but it's understanding. And I think that's really been the key for today is that kind of understanding where you fit. Is it where you want to be? And if it's not where you want to be, how do you go about changing that? And I think understanding all these different things we've spoken about and and knowing that if you want it to be different, you have to go out and find it. And I guess that's the thing we haven't actually said is the fact that you can quite easily sit in class if you're if you're a student or you can quite easily sit in your job and it will just keep going and you will sort of get to that stage where you kind of think that you are but if you want it to be different you have to put yourself out there and that is mentoring it's a coach it's a it's someone in that you're working with it can help you and support you but you have to kind of put your head above the parapet and go I want to do that and then the question is well when do you want to do it you know yeah it's kind of now or is it in five years or ten years and and I think the experience thing that we touched on before, I think, is important because if you've had the experience of, you know, losing a loved one or having a really serious thing happen to you, you kind of get to the point where you think, do you know what? I'm going to do it today because I don't know what tomorrow right. is. Yeah. And, and of course, the reality is that's the same for everybody because you never know what's going on tomorrow. So yeah. why not do it today? Yeah. But you don't have that 
as a youngster going through necessarily unless you've been through that experience but I think there's something about the way we talk to children there's something a way about the way that we all come together whether that's um you know extended family the different generations the understanding of how life is and it's sort of the essence i guess that can kind of support people to kind of you don't want to get bogged down in that but you want to understand the fact that yeah today is the day let's make the most of it let's do what we can let's not sweat the small stuff let's work hard for the stuff we do want and then just see where we go and i, and I think that's um that's something which if you could just sort of put that in a nutshell somewhere and and just sort of get that light bulb going which i yeah. guess is that whole thing about lighting the fire where we kind of started mm-hmm that's really what it's all about if is if, if i could do anything about that then that's kind of my my real passion and I, I think in terms of being a musician it was always that kind of had my voice and i think that's why i'm so passionate about this podcast now is the fact that if i can find a way to get everyone listening to feel the same in whatever part of life that is and to share people like you christian who are able to actually come through in and explain in much more um clarity than i can about that then i think that's a fantastic opportunity yeah, yeah. Uh, well, thank you. Um, yeah, you know, having someone, um, a mentor or, you know, a lot of times, look, I meet with them, you know, I meet with my kids every week for an hour. And, and, you know, one of the things I say about having a coach or a mentor is, you know, they, you, the words you say when they come out of your mouth, you go, oh, do I really think that? <laughs> you know, and, and it reminds me of one of my uh, clients, a uh, really good guy, um, and we were talking, he just was, he was a spectator, just really didn't work very hard. And uh, I said, well, you know, when you get your first job, like, what's the plan? You, you don't, you, you're not a hard worker, you know? And he goes, oh, no, no. When I get my first job, I'll work hard. I was like, you're lazy. You're lazy. He goes, oh, I am. You're lazy today. And he started wearing a tie to school every day. Didn't ask him to. But he just decided that he would feel more, you know, he was going to start feeling it that day. And, and yeah. the other thing to point out, too, is, you know, wherever you are uh, on the, you know, on the one to 10 scale of work ethic or, you know, having a personal vision or, or any of these groups, uh, categories, that it don't, we don't need to judge it. It just is. And we all go through it. And, and it's, you know, whether you're, you know, 15 or 50, you know, we, it, it's, it's just, you are where you are and the desire to su- succeed and, and, and do something about it. So whether it's this podcast or it's a book or it's a person, whatever it is, it's, there's something in there that says, I want to change and you do it today. I really love that. And, and, I, and, and I think it's such a hard thing when we're talking about passion to have also that acceptance that it just is as well. Because certainly for me as a musician, you know, you live on adrenaline, you, you live on fuel that's going in through the arts, you know, you kind of you're like that all the time. But at the same time, that's only part of it. The rest of it is it will be what it is. It's, it's like, you know, on the sports field, it's like you might hit the best, um, I don't know, take the best swing possible and hit it, hit it at the park. And you might miss. It doesn't make you any better or any different. It just is what it is on that particular day. And like you say, you put the work in to make sure that you do it as less as possible. You do everything that you can, but you don't actually know. And actually, then it doesn't matter. You just do what it is. And then you put your bad away at the end of the day. And then tomorrow's another day. And, and away you go. And a lot of people, uh, they'll suppress their motivation by um, comparing. You know, well, well, you know, she's so smart. He's so smart. They're so good. You know, I could never do that. And I actually was working with a guy, you know, mid forties, graduated from Harvard, real smart guy. I had a really high bar and he was saying, you know, the other managers, there were four on his level of a really big company. 
Um, he's like, well, you know, manager A, and his words, manager A, her superpower is this. Manager B, superpower is this. And manager C, she's got, she's got everything. She's Superman. And I said, okay, well, if, if you want to be on, what would you rather have? Would you rather be on the best team with the best players or would you rather be the best player on the worst team? And he said, oh, no, I want to I be on the best team with the best players. I said, yeah, so you, where you fit, you don't have to be them. You can be you. And he, so he started to you know, sort of deconstruct that idea of like, the, I'm not them. And we, and we decided, you know, get into, well, maybe a little too into it, but that his core belief was I, I was made for this. Hmm. And that to, to think about that all the time. I'm, I'm really good at what I do. Yeah, and 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 also there are so many parts of that on there. We won't go too, yeah, too sure, far yeah, into that right. rabbit hole, but 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 I think you're absolutely right. It's that kind of you often can't see what you do, and actually mm -hmm. just showing up as yourself, you know, brings something. Or you know, I just I love that idea of the of the managers. You know, it might just be that you need to be the stability and the vision that enables all these other people to do what they do. You know, and without you, you know, doing what you deem to be nothing supersonic, although you probably are to be in that position to begin with. You know, yeah, it enables right. everyone else to do whatever. You know, and and that and that's. Uh, and that's what's really funny, by the way, not funny, but really kind of cool. He got the promotion. Yeah, which is you know a great wrapping in the end and that you know story. So, yeah. you know, being authentic to who you are, and again, it goes back to that conviction that you can believe in your authenticity. Yeah, for sure. So. Tell us where we can find out more because we I think we could be here for another two or three hours, but we're going <laughs> <Right>. to <laughs> wrap it up here. Yeah. Um, but in, in terms of your book and your website and all of that, where people can just dive in and find out much more. Sure. So uh, christianbuck.com um, is, uh, you know, all this kind of stuff. But, um, you know, you can find my book on Amazon, uh, Twitter, uh, Instagram, although it's um, not as big there. LinkedIn, you can find it there. But um, christianbuck.com will have all the uh, information. Fantastic, and we'll we'll have links to all that and all the social and all the rest of the stuff on the show notes. So if uh, if uh, if in doubt, go to educationonfire.com and then in the search bar, just put Christian Buck, and all those things will will just come up and go from there. But uh, Christian, thank you so much for sharing your time and and your wisdom. This is um, what I think is certainly needed for me in terms of, of my, my my support for my teaching and also in terms of being a parent. But I think also for people listening who just start to really get that support and clarity about what they can do if they want it to be different or at least understand where they are in terms of understanding who they are and like I say then go from there so thank you so much for being here today no oh, thanks so much for having me i really appreciate it thanks for listening to the education on fire podcast for more information of each episode and to get in touch go to educationonfire.com education is not the filling of a pail lighting of a fire.